Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right. Hey, guys, we are in part nine of a 10-week series. I can't believe that we're almost done with this series on the book of Hebrews. But we're processing through a series that we're simply discovering that our walk with Jesus is not a title. It's not, hey, I'm Assemblies of God, or hey, I go to Encounter Church, or it's not a matter of I'm a Christian. But truly what matters is what do we allow to run through the DNA of our hearts? What do we allow to really stir us and move us in the right direction each and every day? So I'm going to challenge you this morning. As we step into chapter 12, we're going to spend two weeks in chapter 12. And as we step into this this morning, I'm going to encourage you, take really good notes, but also listen carefully. Those of you that are watching online, I know at home it's easy to get distracted I know that when you're watching, maybe you're at work or maybe you're in your car listening or or whatever you happen to be doing. I know there's a lot of distractions around you, but I'm going to encourage you for this message and for next week's message to listen very carefully and let God speak into your heart. All right, so our text today, it's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in just a few moments. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, if we look at our lives, oftentimes we have referred to it as a few things. We've referred to it as a a rat race. We've referred to our lives as the human race. But whatever you want to call it, we are on a race each and every day. In fact, over and over and over throughout the Word of God, our daily lives, our Christian journey, is compared to that of a physical race. Now, just as an athlete has to spend hours upon hours training, conditioning, and disciplining themselves, we as Christians should be even more focused on the goal that is set before us. Why? Because the prize that we are running for, the prize that we are moving forward with is not a prize of material possessions. It's not a medal or a trophy. It's not even honor. But what we are running this race for is to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for all eternity and hear him say just a couple of simple words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but that's my goal. I want to get to the place that I stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he looks over the span of my life, he looks over what I've been through, and he says, well done. Well done. You reach the people I've called you to reach. You are the influence on culture the way I wanted you to influence. You are consistent in your journey each and every day. Now, does that mean that we're going to be perfect? No. No. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. (laughs) None of us are perfect, right? But again, 
the athlete, what do, have, what do they have to do? Daily, they condition themselves. Daily, they do the workout. Daily, they do the hard work. They prepare for that moment, that race. Perhaps the race for them only lasts two, three, four minutes. But they prepare hour after hour after hour. Can I just tell you, in our lives, preparation is vital. We're in a race each and every day. And I want to be like Paul. Says, Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness. But he said, it's not just for me, but it's for all of those that follow, all of those that pursue, all of those that have fought the fights. I'm going to challenge you today to move beyond the what of Christianity. Move beyond the, the religious activity. Move beyond the place of, of punching that spiritual time card. Well, I'm good this week because I went to church for an hour and 15 minutes. I, I, I'm all right this week. Can, can I just tell you? Jesus didn't die on the cross for an hour and 15 minute participation in a country club. Come on. He died on the cross so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He died on the cross so that we could prosper in this life, so we would have forgiveness, so we would be made right in his sight and live fully the life that he's called us to live. How many of you would say, well, Pastor, I, I want to win the race. I want to end successfully. Many, if not all of us, would say that today. But what I want to challenge you with, what I want you to listen very carefully to today, is the first portion of, or of Hebrews chapter 12, as we dive into what the author is sharing to us, these disciplines of running, in fact, winning the race that God has set before us. Now, there are nine disciplines that I want to talk about some of your hearts just sunk. You thought, it's going to be next Sunday before we get out of here. Here's good news for you. I'm only going to cover the first five. So next Sunday, you have to come back for the remaining four. Okay? So I'm going to give you the first five today. Next Sunday will be re the remaining four. Number one is this. I must depend on others. I can't tell you how many times I've had people say this to me, well, pastor, I can do this myself. I, I can do it myself. I'll be all right. I'm a strong person. I can do it myself. No. We weren't created to do these things by ourselves. The, the Bible says that a strand by itself is easily overtaken. Two strands are a little stronger, but you put three together. Man, there's no stopping it. We need one another. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. I don't believe there's any other verse that shares the importance and tells the importance, the duties, the privileges of being a part of God's family any more than this verse. There's never been and never will be an athlete that has successfully run the race 
without a coach or without a crowd of people cheering them on. Now, those of you that are athletes in the room, or maybe like me, you're a musician, it makes a difference when you have a crowd of people that are encouraging you in your event. Is that correct? I'm reminded of a guy by the name of Thomas Volkler. Now, Thomas is a French man. You can see him in the picture behind me. And he ran in 2012, he rode rather, his bicycle in the Tour de France. Now, as he was climbing the final pass before finishing, a fan reaches out and hands him a bottle of water. And as I look at this picture today, I wonder, could it have been that final bit of encouragement, could it have been that little glass or cup of water that encouraged him and moved him forward to win that race? In leadership, there's an equation that simply says this, one plus one equals three. Now, on the surface, that looks like really bad math, but this equation, it really means that those who collaborate together, in this case, gathering with another, have a greater success than those that walk alone. I shared a moment ago, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12 says much the same. I need you, you need me, we need one another. But how do we go about coming to this place of depending on those around us, of depending on others? Well, a couple things we got to look at. Number one, you've got to give value to self. Did you know that you have value for the kingdom of God? Now, some of you right now, you're sitting in the room and you're like, I don't know about that. I don't know that I add value to anything. And I would say, yes, you do. You see, God so loved you that he sent Jesus to die on the cross. God sent, paid the ultimate price for you so that you could have real life. God created you unique and special. There's not another like you. There's value in you as an individual. And if we place value in ourselves, suddenly we become a greater asset to the kingdom of God. How? Because with value comes motivation and determination and success, spiritual success. So it's vital that we see the potential that God sees in us. The second thing that I understand is not only do I give value to myself, but I've got to enhance the value of others. The book of Philippians says it this way, Jesus, though he was God, fully God, willfully set his Godhead aside, coming to earth as a servant for you and me. It goes on to say that we've got to look out for others, be more interested in them than we are in ourselves. Now, does that mean that we put ourselves down? No, 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 no. Come on, refer back to the last point. We give value to self. But now we've got to enhance the value of others. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reminds us that as a church, as a group of believers, there are many, many parts. But it's vital that we remember that every part of the body has value. Each person that calls Encounter Church home has significant value. You're here for a reason. We are called to lean upon one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to mold one another, to shape one another. Again, 
Guys, that's why we need e-groups. This is our opportunity to partner with one another, to grow with one another, to correct, if needed, one another, to encourage one another. We can't do this thing called life by ourselves. We need one another. Look at our second discipline. I must get rid of the junk. I must get rid of the junk. It says in verse 1, the latter portion, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. One translation says it this way, the sin that hinders our progress. God desires for you and I to be spiritually lean, to get rid of the junk, to get rid of the stuff that slows us down. I was looking yesterday at my driver's license, and I realized that there's an error on my driver's license. It's it's not an error that I really want to fix, but nevertheless, it's an error. And I would venture to say, in this room, all of your driver's license have the same error. Mine says I weigh 170 pounds. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. 170 pounds. That's five pounds higher than my original weight on my license when I was 16. That was 165 pounds. I'm not quite there today. So I realized that probably I should have taken your advice last Sunday and skipped the nap and gone to the gym. There are weights that slow us down in life. Come on, somebody. And it's amazing as in the physical body, you hit that age 30 and you hit 35, and about 40, your body says, I'm not fighting this anymore. Right? Come on, all of you that are over 40, come on, say amen. You're with me today. There's a few of you odd ones out there, your metabolism still moves. The rest of us, not a bit. We've got to shed that weight. If we want to run the race, if we want to be diligent in the pursuit physically, then there's some things that we've got to do to take off that weight. Now, spiritually speaking, there are some of us that have allowed a lot of junk to take up space. It's interesting here that the author says to strip off every weight. Don't leave anything behind. Get rid of it all. Now, he takes the time to begin to define exactly what he's talking about. You see, he's not just talking about sin, but he breaks it into two categories, the weight and the sin. Now, the first thing I want to look at is the weight. In a horse race, say, I'm told that a horse should really carry the bare minimum amount of weight. The goal is to enter in and carry a small amount of weight because if they have more weight, it will significantly slow them down and they'll be at a disadvantage. I would simply challenge you today that there are things in your life spiritually that you need to rid yourself of. What are the things that are slowing you down in the spiritual progression? What are the things that are slowing down your walk of faith, this journey with Jesus? What are the distractions that are hindering your spiritual life? Now listen carefully. It may not be a bad thing. It may just be a distraction. It may just be a weight 
that is slowing you down. It's keeping you from growing. It's keeping you from the spiritual potential that God has for you. It sidetracks you and keeps you from spending time in the Word of God. It sidetracks you and keeps you from being at church on a Sunday morning. Oh, pastor, I don't need church to go to heaven. That's true, but I say it all the time. You also don't need a parachute to jump out of a helicopter, but it helps. (laughs) This time together, man, this helps. This is our encouraging. This is that refueling so that we can go back out in the battlefield and live the life and pursue the journey that God has set in motion for us. What are the things that are keeping you from, from progressing in your faith? It's just weight that's getting in the way. And by the way, if we're not careful, that weight can quickly become an idol in our lives. Oh, pastor, I'm not going to make it a little wooden statue. I'm not talking about that. You see, an idol is not defined by the statue. An idol is anything that is given more time or more value than God. Come on, let me say that again. An idol is anything that is given more value or more time than God. If you only give God an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, but you give other things more time than that, guess what? You're creating idols in your life. You're giving them more attention than you give God. And those are temporary things that will soon pass away. Our relationship with God affects not just our today, not just our tomorrow, but it affects our eternity. And truth be told, it has the potential of affecting not only your eternity, but those in your circle of influence. So what is the weight that you need to strip off of your life? Now, the second thing he talks about is sin. He says, especially the sin that so easily trips you up. Now, if I look at that, I don't think he's talking about that sin that that sneaks up, that normally it's not a part of your life, but suddenly it's there, and you're like, man, why did I do that? This is that sin that that you've gotten so comfortable with. Come on. You, you know what I'm talking about. Right now, there's, there's, there's a sin, there's an activity that is popping into your mind. It's that thing that, that you find yourself doing that, that you know that you shouldn't do, but for one reason or another, it keeps slipping back into your activities, perhaps daily, weekly, whatever it happens to be. I believe that's what the author is talking about here. He says the things that so easily trip you up, it's so comfortable that you step into it without really giving it another thought. You find yourself doing it because it's kind of a comfort zone for you, even though that it's a sin, even though that it's something that separates you from God. In fact, the the definition of sin is anything that cools your relationship from God. What is that weight? What is that sin that you need to rid your life of today? God's got something better for you. All that he asks is that you bring that to him. Lay it at his feet. 
And as you do that, he'll begin to fill your life with more and more and more of him. Look at our third discipline. I must run with endurance. I must run with endurance. And I look at this idea of running with endurance, and I realize that that's going to take some planning and preparation. Because if I'm honest today, I can't go outside and run with endurance very far. And don't laugh, because many of you can't either. And oftentimes I use the excuse the book of Proverbs says that only a fool runs when nobody chases them. That's why I don't run. That's taken completely out of context, so don't quote me on that one. And don't use that as the clip next week, Pastor Matt. Just thought I would share that with him. But let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. It's not enough to simply mosey through life. We are to move with diligence, to move with purpose, to have drive behind the steps that we take. They're not just to run any race. It's not enough just to say, you know what, I'm going to run this race because that works. No, 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 no. We're to run the race that God has set before us. We discover the plan. We discover the purpose. We discover what God has in store for us. We get on that track and we begin to run that race. Just a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. The first thing we've got to do is begin to focus in on the one that offers the plan. But oftentimes, what do we do? We try every other source possible. And then when we discover that those aren't going to work, at that moment, we run to God in desperation and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he says, that's okay, because I know exactly what to do. And he takes us in his arms. And as we trust him, as we rely upon him, as we lean on him, he begins to guide us back to the path that he has set before us. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Another translation says, I urge you. The King James says, I beseech thee, brethren. I urge you today to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let me pause. Don't give God the dead leftovers. Come on. Don't give God the dead leftovers. Offer your bodies as a living, as a holy sacrifice, the kind that he can find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you Think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing 
and perfect. You want to know what path to jump on? You want to know what race to begin to run? You want to know what God has in store for you? Seek the kingdom of God. Offer yourself to him. Don't let the world steer you. Don't let society steer you. But focus in upon God. Focus in upon his plan. Allow him to transform you from the inside out, renewing your mind then. Come on. Then you will know God's will for you. His good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Now before I dig too much deeper into Romans 12, 1 and 2, I think it's important to go back to the end of chapter 11. Why? Because verse 1 starts with this, and so some translations say, therefore. Anytime you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to pause for a moment and discover why it's there. What it's there for. So in order to discover why he says, and so, or therefore, we need to go back to the end of chapter 11 and see what's happening. Chapter 11 ends by saying that everything comes from God and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All things come from God and exist by his power. It's intended for his glory. And then in verse 1 it says, and so we must understand that God created it all. He holds it all in his hands. He holds it all together. And now in verse 1, he urges us, he instructs us to offer ourselves completely holy as a sacrifice to God. Now, what is a sacrifice? A sacrifice can be defined as an act of surrendering. But if we dig a little deeper, it's also defined as slaughtering a possession. Oftentimes in church we talk about, I offer a sacrifice. We, you know, God, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to hand this over to you. But there are some things in your life, in order to rid them of your life, in order to get rid of that extra weight, you're going to have to slaughter some stuff. You're going to have to cut away some junk. You're going to have to cut away the weight of your life. It's going to be difficult. It's not always easy, but God says, I challenge you. I urge you. I beseech thee. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Surrender it all to him. Cut away that junk. Slaughter that junk. Do whatever you need to do to run that race with endurance. Number four is this, I must commit to stay focused. Come on, that sounds easy, but can I be honest? That's tough. It's tough to stay focused. I don't know about you, but I get distracted by just stuff around me. I was having a conversation with a guy the other night, and him and I were, were talking, and there were people all around, and suddenly somebody dropped some dishes, and they crashed over here, and somebody over here starts having a conversation about them dropping dishes, and then a guy comes to the back room with a broom, and, and I'm trying to stay focused. I'm trying to have a conversation, but I find myself 
interested in what's happening, what broke, what's going on. Is the guy in trouble? What, you know what I'm saying? Come on, did any of you guys ever get focused, maybe a little ADHD going on? Come on. Spiritually speaking, that happens as well. And did you know that, that Satan's going to do all he can, our enemy is going to do all that he can to, to throw those distractions your way? You make a commitment, God, today I'm going to spend some time praying to you. God, I'm going to spend some time having conversation with you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. And suddenly your phone goes, ding, ding. And you're like, pause. Oh, there's a sale at Hibbets. Cool. Okay, God, I'm back. Lord, I thank you right now for who you are. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, Sam just put an update on Instagram. Let's go. Oh, he's having tacos for lunch. Cool, right? But it's not just this. There's so many distractions in life. So many things that that have the tendency of taking ourselves off course. So what we must do is determine, Lord, I'm making a commitment. And some of you are going to have to slaughter those distractions. I discovered a couple years ago, it's been almost two years now, that Facebook was a major distraction in my life. I was learning stuff about you all that I didn't want to learn. It's true. So I'm like, I've got to get off of Facebook. So I, I, I still have my account, so if you need to message me on Messenger, that's fine. But I don't go onto Facebook, so if you've sent me a, a friend request in the last two years... You're in spiritual pur- purgatory right now. That's why. I, I don't, go on, go, don't go on there. I also realized at one point that I was really distracted by Candy Crush. You guys remember Candy Crush came out a few years ago? I would close my eyes and I would see Candy Crush. It's true. It's true. And some of you have been there, so don't shame me. Don't shame me. We're all, so so these, these things in life, they, they easily distract us. They easily jump in the way and suddenly that becomes our defaults rather than turning to the things of God. Rather than focusing in on, on what God has in store. Hebrews 12, 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. What do we do? We run that race. We rid ourselves of all the things that slow us down, all the sin that easily traps us. This is only accomplished by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and and perfects our faith. Now, if you're going to run a physical race, oftentimes there's going to be a starter. Now, in a sprint, he would hold up the gun and the, the runners would get ready They would get set, but it wasn't until the starter pulled that trigger and shot the gun that the race could begin. Now, if there was a false start, what would happen? They'd have to start again. In our lives, it's the same way. There's a starter. There's one that initiates and perfects our faith. His name is Jesus. So we stay focused for the same reason that Jesus stayed focused. And we find that in verse 2. He says, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor 
beside God's throne. Just as Jesus stayed focused. We must stay committed to the goal, committed to the race before us. Again, I'm reminded of a race. This is 1954. The British Empire Commonwealth Game. You can see the the picture behind me. These two gentlemen, John Landy and Roger Bannister. These guys were both sub-four-minute runners. They ran against one another for the very first time in the men's one-mile events. Now, Landy had the lead until the final curve, at which point, you can see this happening here, he turned his head trying to see where Bannister was. And as he turned his head to the left, Bannister swept in on the right, overtaking Landy and ultimately winning the race. What happened here? He lost focus. The goal was in front of him. The finish line was right before him. But because he was so concerned and distracted by his opponent beside him, he turned to look and ultimately losing the race. Why did he win? Preparation and focus. I wonder today, what have you allowed to gain your focus? What have you allowed to cause distraction in your life? What's happening in the area around you, your surroundings, your competition? What is it that has derailed you from finishing the race that God has set before you? Let's look at our final discipline. I must prepare for opposition. So what have we learned so far? Number one, I must depend on others. Number two, I must rid myself of the junk. Number three, I've got to run with endurance. Number four, I must commit to stay focused. And number five, I must prepare for opposition. Look what he says, verse three. Think of all the hostility he or Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Now, it's one thing to expect opposition. Jesus himself said in John 16, in this world, you will have trials and tribulation. He says, you're gonna have problems. There's gonna be obstacles thrown in your path. There are gonna be things that are happening around you that try to take your focus But he goes on to say this, but here's hope. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Come on, grab a hold of that. That's huge. He didn't say, I've overcome your addiction. He didn't say, I've overcome your physical issues. He didn't say, I've overcome the problems that you have in life. No, 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 no. He says, I've overcome what? The world. The world. He says, I've overcome something so much larger than just your issue. Now, I'm not downgrading your issue. I'm helping us grab a perspective of God's already accomplished it all for us. 
So as we look at this, we realize that we're going to have opposition. So what do we do? We prepare for that. We ready ourselves. Ephesians chapter 6 says, clothe yourself in the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the belt of truth, the shoes of readiness. It goes through the entire armor of God. And then he says this, when you've done everything to stand, stand firm. When you've done everything to stand, prepare for the opposition. Prepare for the issues ahead. Think of all the hostility he endured. Then you won't become weary and give up. Yeah, it's one thing to expect it. But it's a completely another thing to prepare for that op- opposition. Perhaps that opposition is at work. Perhaps that opposition is at your home with your kids, with your spouse, with your friends, with your enemies, whatever it is. When we're under constant pressure from something happening in life, we become oftentimes weary and even entertain the thought of giving up. On a daily basis, listen carefully, on a daily basis, we must effectively recalibrate our commitment, recalibrate our purpose, our future, the value that God has placed in our lives. Yeah, you can expect daily pressures, but how do you prepare for them? You turn your attention toward God. Guys, I'm going to challenge you. As we run this race, this isn't just a casual jog around the neighborhood. There's going to be some potholes. There's going to be some distractions. There's going to be some obstacles that we've got to maneuver around but if we would set our gaze upon Jesus if we would take just a minute and realize that that he's already got it under control that if we just lean into him. We're going to find that on the other side, it's a whole lot easier to run this race when we realize we don't have to run it alone. We've got Jesus right beside us every step of the way. Look at your action step today. Would you take a moment to recalibrate your positioning in the race. What do I mean by that? Some of you are spending a lot of time looking behind you at the opposition. It's time to realize where God's planted you and begin to run with endurance. Let's pray. Lord, 
Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.